thanks so much for joining me for this week's episode of When I Grow Up. On today's episode, it's my pleasure to welcome my guest, Blair Kim. <laughs> hey, Blair, how are you? I'm doing well, Blair. How are you? I'm good. So interesting right now. <laughs> so, okay, so you guys, um, just a little backstory. Um, I I actually knew Blair in like... I guess like in high school, I feel like is when we met and crossed paths. We we both grew up in um, East Cobb, Marietta, Georgia. Um, and Blair is here with me now to tell me about what he does. However, um, just like I mean, we it's been like fifteen years, right? Yeah, yeah, longer than that, I think. Yeah, like yeah. it's been a long time. But my previous guest, footwear designer Monique. Um, is friends with Blair. They went to college together. And she asked me, like, oh, do you know another person with your name? (laughs) And I was like, actually, I do. It's just one other person. And you're that person. And she was, like, you know, being her cute self and was like, oh, my gosh, it's so crazy. (laughs) Like, He told me he knows another girl named Blair from Marietta. And I think it's you. And I'm like, yeah. It's me. Um, Before we started recording, Blair was telling me, it's going to be so weird, this whole podcast, to just be saying my (laughs) name. (laughs) Yeah, um, if it makes you feel better, I'm having the exact same, like, this is weird. I'm, uh, yeah, I'm talking to someone also named me. Yeah, I mean, okay, like, Blair is a pretty uncommon name to begin with, but... But then, like, you know, we have the first, same first and last name. But you guys, we also have the same middle initial. So, um, Blair, your middle name is? Edward. Edward. And then my middle name is um, the phonetic spelling for my Korean name, Unju. Um, so we have had, like, one or two mishaps, I feel like, right, in high school. We were talking about it right before we started recording. You were telling me about the library thing. Yeah, which happened before I met you. So there were there were signs as I was growing up that like there was someone else who also had my name. Um yeah, the library books was one. I remember uh I got charged for your overdue library books or something <laughs> like that. Oh um God, so sorry. <laughs> and then uh yeah, I remember uh, even prior to that, um, I think I went to, we have, we shared that we shared, uh, the same pediatrician possibly. And, uh, I remember, or I, I don't know, I can't remember if it was a pediatrician or dentist or something like okay, that, but there okay. was definitely like, they had asked me about like, um, things that never happened to me. Like, like, uh, I, I don't recall, but it was something so bizarre that I was just like, no, I, I've definitely never that never happened right, to me. Right. No, I mean, it would be weird because it's like, they're like, well, is your name Blair Kim? And like, yes. And then is it Blair E. Kim? Yes. Like, right. Like, exactly. You know? Exactly. So, um, yeah. And usually like nobody dives further than that. Right. Uh, right. And we're the same. Um, we're born in the same year, 1988 too. So it's not mm-hmm. like, that's really crazy. And then, so now as we're talking, I do recall going to the library and them asking me about something. But then um, I said, oh, like, that's not me. 
And they're like, yes, it is. And I'm like, no. And then they to- they asked me what my adri- my home address was. This is very clear to me, actually. They asked me my home address. And I told them. And they're like, oh, this is not you. And I'm like, but how could it not be me is what I thought. <laughs> right. Because Blair in its of itself is like a, a relatively rare name, right? I don't yes. know too many Blairs. Um, yeah, much less those that share the <sighs> same last name and middle initial. So weird. I was also telling... Blair <laughs> that that um you know because you went to a magnet school mm-hmm. and which is like for smart people and then I <laughs> and then I remember thinking oh like it would if like, did you live in Wheeler District or you went to that no, school I lived closer to you I lived in Sprayberry I think oh Sprayberry like, District okay yeah, so I mean if we had gone to the same high school I remember thinking at some point because I had no I knew that you were smart and so so I was like man if, if our transcripts got like mixed up like it would be okay for me but not for you <laughs> but anyways um all that to say um Blair thank you so much for joining me tonight and uh without you know further I'm sure we could joke about our names all night or at least I could um but but um yes why are you here you're here to tell me about your job so without um more of just conversing about this what is it that you do Blair I am a staff manufacturing engineer at Tesla um that means a lot of different things. Yeah, I'm like, what is what is that? I, the only thing I understood, if I'm honest, is Tesla. <laughs> yeah. So Tesla, I think, um, needs no introduction, but really briefly, uh, we make um, the some of the best performing electric cars, um, as well as uh, like uh, well well known charging infrastructure, um, uh, solar roof panels and solar roofs for your house and uh and then battery packs for residential and commercial purposes Mm. um yeah and uh but yeah the cars are definitely the thing we're known for right yeah Uh, so what does us you said staff manufacturing engineer Mm -hmm. Um, what is it that you do in particular I lead a small team of other manufacturing engineers. Um, in terms of what we do, uh, that has a lot of different answers. We wear a lot of different hats. Mm-hmm. Um, so depending on what phase of a particular program we're in, um, we could be leading construction for uh, new buildings to ensure that um, our, the building is built to our specification to meet uh, the needs of our manufacturing lines. Okay. Um, we could be uh, like floor integration, integration or commissioning team leaders, meaning we're working with um, other companies to bring up our equipment, to ramp it up and make sure that it's performing um, and building the number of cars that we want um and having good uh yield cycle time and availability um which means uh that the line is just really pumping out cars as fast as possible and I that see. it's not breaking down it's not producing bad product anything like that um we might be designing 
uh, like working with uh, design engineers to uh, provide what we call DFM feedback or design for manufacturability feedback, um, making sure that our design team may be designing some amazing car, but if we can't build it, then it doesn't matter huh. you know, how amazing the design is if right. it's not what we call, uh, yeah, like able to be manufactured. Um, yeah, or like we might be improving existing lines um, or existing manufacturing lines to make them produce more cars faster. Um, yeah, we can do, be doing lots of different things. So there's no typical day or typical um, even season, especially mm -hmm. because Tesla is growing so quickly. What we were doing two years ago versus what we were doing four years ago versus what we were doing 10 years ago is like vastly different, right? So see yeah I'm, yeah i would imagine it is a, a fast-paced kind of environment for you guys mm -hmm. over there um so i'm not even going to pretend i fully know everything you just said because i'm just ignorant in that way <laughs> but, but um in the, just like the technical terms but you know something that you kind of uh, mentioned um, previously when you and i were initially talking about you coming on the podcast was you um said that you listened to my husband's podcast um, but like, uh, what you said was cause it's similar, but it's not right. Like, so my husband's a structural engineer, but you said that it's similar, but it's, it's not the same uh, thing, right? No, it's, yeah, it's very different. Um, so he's obviously working more with structures. Yes. Um, yes. I deal with structures on a much smaller level, uh, that are, um, yeah, like for example, one, uh, well, I can't, I guess I can't use examples, oh, but you don't use examples, man. You're going to get in uh, trouble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but we, we also have to build structures and make sure that they're safe. Um, but they're structures that are used for manufacturing rather than for people to reside in or to, to work in. I see. So man, to manufacture whatever product that you're making is what mm -hmm. you're structurally building. Yeah, that's a small part of our Okay. Project. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just trying to understand. Yeah, it's okay. Um, okay. Um, so um, you said, so you're managing a another team of engineers that do all these things because you're the staff manufacturing engineer what are you saying um i yeah i'm a staff manufacturing engineer but i'm also a, a leader of a team based here in texas okay okay um there are currently five engineers that report to me um but we are looking to uh between double and triple our team in the next year. Oh, so, wow. Um, awesome. Yeah. Um, uh, so in college, what did you study? I studied mechanical engineering at Georgia Tech. Okay. So, oh, okay. So a lot of, so Monique was mechanical engineer, right? That's right. That's yes, where I met her. Yes. Okay. Okay. So when you left high school and you left Wheeler, did you know, like, this is what I want to do? I want to be a mechanical engineer? Mm, no. Um, honestly, I don't remember the thought process behind why I chose mechanical engineering. Mm -hmm. um, 
And honestly, I wasn't even sure I would be good at it mm. until I got to my first job and then started. Uh, I worked at Bridgestone, the tire company. Okay. Designing high speed automation to make tires. And what? For real? <laughs> yeah. And as soon as I got into that, I realized that it's something I really excel at mm. and that I have um, sort of a natural engineering intuition. And so um, after that first job, my path became much, much more clear. Okay. So I have to ask, um, what you said sounded really cool, <laughs> but can you go into the details of what that is? Uh, automation, At, like designing automation. Yes. What, like a car? Yeah. You designed a car? A tire? No, 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 no. <laughs> just, just machines that make products. So that's what I've been doing for my entire career is I design, um, integrate work, like, like install equipment uh-huh. that, uh, manufactures products. So my first so job like, was okay, making sorry, machines sorry, that make tires. Uh-huh, okay. Um, so, uh, the cycle time was roughly, uh, a minute to two minutes. So each machine had to produce a tire every minute. Um, and it's not, it's not just a single machine that does it, but there's a series of machines um, that make each component of the tire, and then it's all assembled together at the end, and then it's vulcanized or cured. Um, and that's the typical process of like making a tire. But I've always like the tools that you use in your toolbox to do any kind of manufacturing is, is really the, the same tools. Mm. So, um, you know, how do I get parts from position A to position B and I need to flip it over and inspect it along the way or something like that? Mm. Um, we use like engineers who work with automation, a high volume in, uh, automation have to use the same sort of tools in their toolbox. Um, yeah, and I've just, like, that's what kind of gave me... Um, indication that I knew I'd be good to work at Tesla as well, because I, it's just something I excelled at no matter where I worked at. Okay. So what you just said gives me a, I feel like, so something like that, an example you gave, gave when you were working at Bridgestone is, mm -hmm. is that um, kind of what you do at Tesla right now? Cause that gave me yeah, a little it's very better similar. picture. It's very similar. So the car, the car is not made on a single machine uh -huh. like statically, right? Uh -huh. A series of parts, um, you know, are assembled along the way. Uh -huh, uh -huh. Um, and, uh, yeah. And the car moves along and, and parts are constantly added to that, to that vehicle. Right. So, um, my group is responsible for, uh, part of the powertrain or the drivetrain of the vehicle. So, um, I initially started at Tesla working on the battery side. Uh-huh. Um, and then I I now am responsible for the motor um or motor manufacturing at Texas. 
Wow, that's really cool. So, you know, you found your kind of your niche when you were at your first job at Bridgestone. Like, did you, um, how did you get that job? Was that provided through something at tech or you just? Um, I got very lucky. Okay. Uh, but yeah, I, I, to make a long story short, I didn't, ex- I didn't excel in college nearly as much as uh, probably you think. Um, I had a v- actually very low uh, GPA. What? But, <laughs> uh, but because, um, I, and I did like numerous interviews until I got this, until I got that first job. And um, I guess one of my takeaways from, uh, from that whole experience is that um, schooling is just the first step in a long series of steps mm-hmm. to get to where I am today. Mm-hmm. Um, like I, it's very important to have that schooling to understand how to get answers mm. um, and to get your foot in in the right doors. But um, the vast majority of what I've learned today has been on the job from, from my work. Um, so if you ask me, like, do I remember things from school? I probably remember less than 1%, but what I do remember is how to get the answers. Um, so do I remember the formulas? No, definitely not. But I remember, I remember the resources that I needed to get the answers. And then I remember like the, um, I guess the critical thinking to apply those resources to find out what answers are. Yeah. If that makes any sense. No. Yeah. It makes perfect sense. I mean, I think, um, even, uh, my husband and I, we talk about all the time, you know, as an engineer himself, you know, he, he doesn't remember anything from school. Exactly. Um, but you know, he, he says like, Oh man, like if I had, like the opportunity to work as a structural engineer before going to school, school mm-hmm. would have been different. You know, right. like the yeah. way I he, heard him say that. I, yeah. That's so true, right? Like what I would have paid attention to and what I would have like um, valued at school would be very different. Um, right. But yeah, I, 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 so I didn't have a good GPA, but um, I got that job because I think I demonstrated that I knew what I was talking about Mm. um, through an interview. And uh, I think the recruiter who, or not the recruiter, but the hiring manager for that position was very similar to how I am today. And that like, he was like, I don't care about your GPA. If you can demonstrate that you know what you're talking about or, and like you have some, you know, critical thinking skills, you're articulate, you can, um, yeah, find the answers, even if you don't know the answers, Mm -hmm. that's what's, that's what's far more important than, you know, how well did you do in your finals or, uh, yeah, what's your standardized test scores? Yeah, no, I completely agree. So this job, was it while you were still in school or you just gotten out of school? I got it. Um, yeah, while I was still in school. 
Okay, so it was there that you decided that you're gonna be go mechanical engineer. Um, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Okay, so you know, you said you felt like you had kind of a natural inclination towards like engineering and this type of engineering. Can I ask you, like, like what what kinds of things came easily for you that you realized, oh, this is something I want to do? I don't know if you can pinpoint um, it, but so my dad, I, I my dad likes to brag that I was engineered to be an engineer. And uh, I don't know if that's true, um, but he his uh, evidence is that he provided me with infinite Legos when I was growing up. Uh, we had a lot of books about how things worked and what they looked like on the inside, like mm. cutaway books. Um, I had a lot of like sciencey engineering type toys where you like build things. Um, uh, yeah, Legos is a perfect example. That's the big one that I can think of. Uh, but like connects and um, and he claimed I was always like taking apart his power tools and then not putting them back together, things like that, um, which I don't recall. But uh, <laughs> yeah. Um, so yeah, yeah. Like as soon as I sort of went down this career path, my dad was like, "You were engineered to be an engineer," mm. and I'm like, "And yeah, uh, when I design equipment, like there are a lot of things that come naturally to me, um, like thinking about how something's made and how structural it is, um, what it looks like in 3D space, like that all comes." Uh, yeah, very naturally when I'm when I'm oh. designing high volume manufacturing equipment. Interesting. So, um, you're actually designing the equipment itself. Yeah, we we do. Um, so my team is relatively small. Um, so we do some small uh, pieces of equipment, but quite often we'll. Uh, engage what we call integrators or machine builders um, who are outside engineering companies uh, who will do the heavy lifting for us. So we will we will define a process. We'll write a specification um, to, for example, make a product. So for example, um, yeah, I guess making the car. Well, like at a very high level, uh, equipment specification would be like, uh, the car needs four wheels. Um, it has to be aerodynamic. It has to have uh, this kind of efficiency. And then within that specification, there are freedoms. So like, do I care about how the wheels, whether the wheels roll to the car and get installed onto the car? Or do I care about uh, like, or do they have to be like flat? Um, or do they have to come down from the ceiling. Like, I don't, mm. I don't care what that is, but I will just say once the wheel is installed on the car, the bolts need to be tightened. Um, the seats need to be installed. The steering wheel needs to be installed. And I can, I can define those things. And then the integrator or the machine builder has certain freedoms to use what's in their toolbox and what's their, what they're good at to um, do some of the finer detail design work. 
I see. Wow, um, that is so neat. <laughs> yeah. So so um, we build a lot of manufacturing lines, what we call or okay. assembly lines. Yes. Yes. Where um, specific products get assembled. So whether that's your steering wheel or seat or wheel or battery or motor um, or the shell body of the car, like there's all kinds of manufacturing lines. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and and we write these specifications. We uh, justify, we write like CapEx documents. Uh, CapEx stands for capital expansion. How much money are we? Like asking to spend of Tesla's out of Tesla's piggy bank to like do this, we justify our spend. Um, we go to uh, what we call factory acceptance testing, like making sure that once the equipment's designed and built, that it actually does what it we've asked for it to do. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's similar testing as like the vehicle, right? So, uh, the vehicle has to go through a number of different validation steps to make sure that it's safe, that it's fast enough, that it's efficient enough to like meet the customer's demands, right? Well, right. in this case, we're the customer. We want our machine builder to like meet our demands. And sure. um, so we'll work with them to, um, yeah, to help them as much as possible so that uh, we get the best possible outcome out of the assembly line. Man, I that's I never even thought about this job ever. It's very cool. Um, um, Blair, can I ask you? You know, you mentioned a few times, um, like just about critical thinking and problem solving, and I understand that that's what engineers do, right? They problem solve mm-hmm. and they fix problems. Um, but uh, is there like an example that you can give me? It doesn't have to be about Tesla's situation or anything, but of like where you as someone that designs those kinds of things like would have to problem solve maybe like even when you receive the product as a customer like is there ever is there situations like i don't know i'm just making assumptions obviously but like i don't know it's not what you thought it was going to be and you have to figure out what to do with the amount of money you have or i don't know what what do these problems look like ooh uh Maybe a general hmm. problem. Not like I know. I'm, I'm trying to. I'm trying to think of a, a super general one. Um, have, do you do you own your home, Blair? Do I own my home? Yeah. Yes, do, I have do. You, yeah. So when you bought your home, you from the either the builder or the previous owners, um, you had an inspection done for the yes. home, um, or an appraisal of yes. the property, and you had. Uh, yeah, like in, in a very similar vein, like I, I do those kinds of things with, uh, manufacturing equipment. So I will, I will, um, inspect it to make sure that it does have four room or, you know, four walls, a roof, um, the foundation is not sinking and it actually does, it, it's like safe to be in, um, Using a house as an analogy, that's yes. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. That's probably not a great one. I'm no, no, I get it. I get where you're going. Yeah. Okay, so you do. So you yourself do the inspections when the the product comes in, then. 
are we still talking about Tesla or we're talking about engineering in general? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Then yeah. I like um, myself and my team, we will travel to the various uh, yeah. Acceptance tests Uh as we call them Uh um, to like, yeah, make it go through a checklist that we make that says, does this equipment do everything we asked for it to do? Um, and does it do it fast enough? Does it do it uh, safely enough? Uh-huh. Um, such that like people can work on it uh-huh. um, without getting hurt. And can we actually make money from this equipment? So if um, if something were not to be to your standards, you would just what like send it back or. <laughs> Um, so usually, typically we travel to their sites first where they've built the equipment and then we'll, yeah, (laughs) like it's much easier to travel there than ship the entire assembly line. Um, Sure. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah. And, um, yeah, if it's not up to standards, we'll say it's not ready and you have to keep, keep working on it. Um, Tesla, unfortunately though, um, uh, some we have deadlines to meet, and so sometimes we have to make hard decisions where we uh, have to make certain concessions that, mm. given if we had all the time in the world, we wouldn't sure. do. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, Tesla is all about speed, right? That's I think every everybody can make um, the product that we do or the product like electric cars, um, obviously the other OEMs or original, uh, equipment manufacturers are getting into it. Um, uh, you can buy electric cars from Ford and GM and Mercedes and BMW like nowadays. Um, but the thing that makes Tesla different is like the speed, uh, at which we do our complete our programs, the speed at which we build our factories. Um, and the car itself is like incredibly fast. I don't know if you've heard about our latest car. Uh, it's very fast. Uh, no, I ha- I sorry, I don't really okay. pay attention, but I should. But <laughs> um, but uh, how fast is it? Can you tell me about the car? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's called the Plaid car. Uh-huh. Um, so if you know Tesla, um, a lot of our references are. Uh, from the movie Spaceballs. Yeah, um, actually, I did know this. I don't yeah, know who told so, me this, but... Uh, the car, a few years ago, we had Insane Mode, which was a very, very fast car. Then we came out with a faster uh, version of it, and it had Ludicrous Mode. Oh. Mm-hmm. And then the only <laughs> thing beyond Ludicrous is Plaid, and that's that comes from a reference in Spaceballs where I think they're going through warp speed. Um, going from insane to ludicrous to plaid, plaid. <laughs> and plaid is yeah this ultimate car that we've uh, that we make today. Um, my team has helped work on it, mm. um, and it's uh, yeah the car is uh, worth you like searching on YouTube to see what it can do. I will um, have to definitely do that. But it's the fastest car. Uh, on the market today. Like really? Down. Yeah. It's is outside it of like million and a half dollar supercars. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. So this is a car that like 
how fast does it go? Uh, it does zero to 60 in under two seconds. <gasps> what? Yeah. That's freaking fast, man. Okay, I'm going to go look it up after this interview. But, uh, <laughs> but um, so it, it I, accelerates faster than you can fall. That's how. Yeah, fast that's it. too. That's ridiculous. That's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I mean, guys, if you haven't realized yet, um, there are certain things that obviously, um, Blair cannot disclose because of his work and where he works and which I totally respect. So um, thank you again for just kind of doing the best you can. This interview is not over. I just wanted to just make a point that that's why we're kind of being careful and I want to totally respect um, you and what it is that you do. Um, so I have to ask, and I'm sure a lot of people are wondering, a lot of young people are wondering that are listening is like, yeah, what, what is the, the journey to working at Tesla, you know, like, how did you get where you are today? Be specific, I, man. Like, I want the whole story. Yeah. Like, all the details. I, I was recruited. You were recruited. Um, yeah. Someone found me on LinkedIn um, based on my current, or at, at the time, my current, current career path, um, which... Uh, I had done high volume manufacturing of tires, and then I switched to another company called Certus Simmons, making uh, beds. Mm. And I was the coiling engineer, so I my I was responsible. Oh, Certa, like Certa the yeah. mattress. Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's right. And I was responsible for making the uh, bed spring, oh. and making like like thousands of those in a in a single you know minute. Um, and so the equipment I worked on had to like make all these like little springs as fat, not, they weren't that little, they're about, you know, that size, um, you know, very, very quickly. And, mm. uh, yeah. And I, so I was recruited to be, um, for a different role. I interviewed for that role. Uh, I completely bombed the interview. I knew nothing about what I was talking about and Tesla, uh, thankfully did not hire me for that role. They, they filed me away. Um, and then when, uh, for my current role, or actually when I first started at Tesla, my role, um, the recruiter who was responsible for searching for that position, uh, found me in like, I guess the people that had been rejected, uh, and, uh, yeah, like I interviewed for this current role and, you know, rocked that interview and that's how I got where I am today. Oh, wow. And how long ago was that? Uh, about five years ago. Oh, okay. Half, so you've been there for a good years. chunk of time now. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm a veteran, uh, Tesla now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, cause the company's not been around that long, so there's not that many people who have been here as long as I have. That's true. That's true. I didn't even... I don't know why that didn't occur to me just now, but, um, so like when you, were you excited? Like when you got the job? I'm just curious. Oh like, yeah. 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 I was ecstatic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't recall this, but, um, one of my friends said that, uh, in college I had said it was my dream job to work at Tesla. Really? But I, I, I honestly don't 
recall ever saying that, but um, yeah, he was like, you know, in college, you used to say that your dream job was to work at Tesla. I was like, really? I, I really don't remember that, but it's lucky that that happened. Yeah, no, it's not lucky. You put the work in and you did it, man. It's awesome. Um, okay, yeah. so um, I have to ask now, like, what do you enjoy most about your job specifically? Not like working at Tesla, you know, like your job. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no two days are the same. Oh. I'm never doing anything monotonous. Um, it, it's very, very difficult to get bored. Mm. Um, yeah, and I uh, actually, you know what, I. I really do believe in Tesla's mission, um, which is, you know, getting the world to transition to this sustainable electric car, um, electric energy. Mm. Um, There is this underlying, in my mind, like sense of urgency, um, especially given like all the, you know, natural climate disasters and like evidence of climate change caused by you know, um, human behavior like that. Um, yeah, I, it's just, it's very rewarding knowing that every car that I help make is one gasoline car or fossil fuel burning car off the road. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's, that's what I really enjoy. Um, as well, like just knowing that what I do is is having some very major tangible impact um, on the world we live in today. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Now, um, uh, what don't you? What do you like least about your job? <laughs> um, what I love the most and what I love the least are kind of the same thing. Okay. Um, it's the speed at which we move. Ah. Uh, so um, as a byproduct of that speed, uh, sometimes we don't have time to give things the attention they deserve. Mm. Um, and we have to deal with a lot more unknowns in our programs than... I've ever had to deal with in pre in like previous positions or previous uh, careers. Um, yeah, that's, that's quite difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think that's, that sums it up. It's good. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm wondering if there's somebody that's listening to this particular episode and it's like, man, that's pretty cool. Like I, I want to do stuff like that. I want to be able to design equipment that does things like that, whether it's for Tesla or somebody else. Um, you know, do you have any uh, advice or just some wisdom of like what they could be doing now as a as maybe a person in college or even before entering college that you feel like would be helpful in making them a better engineer? I don't know if my question makes any sense. Do you have any advice, Blair? Do you have any advice? 
I would say study the world around you. Mm. Look at the things that you interface with every day, whether it's your phone or your computer or your car or your computer mouse. Um, and think about if you had to make a lot of those quickly, how would you do it? Like what, what kind of, um, you know, like, uh, I think the phone is a good example, right? Like Apple pumps out a lot of iPhones and a lot of iPads and a lot of, uh, laptops. Um, and, uh, there's tremendous demand for that product. So, so they have to make a lot of those really quickly. So how would you do it such that, um, you're not having a guy sitting in front of like a mill or a lathe, like making this by hand, how would you automate that so that, um, you can walk away from your machine, just like your rice cooker, right? Like you, you, you get it, you fill it with rice, you prep it and you press go and then you walk away. And when you come back, the rice is done. Yes. That's a good example of like how automation has changed your life. Right. Mm. So, um, like if, so your rice cooker literally manufactures rice for you or cooked rice for you. Um, yeah. Like how would you do that at a higher volume, um, for everyday objects in your world? That's what I would suggest. So think about like, look at your, um, uh, I want to use the word toolbox, but I know that the things I have in my toolbox are very different from the pe- things that no, people have. No, it's very in- different than most people, Blair, I would yeah. imagine. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like between um, electric motors and pneumatic cylinders and hydraulics, like um, there's a number of different ways to uh, perform processes and move parts around. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, and, um, yeah, the high volume manufacturing makes use of all those tools from robotics to, to something as simple as like a a two position pneumatic cylinder that just goes back and forth. Right. Um, so yeah, like look at the world around you, think about how, could the things that you interact with every day um, be made if you had to give one of them to every single person in the whole world? Wow. I mean, I just like for me, my brain just like mind blown because I I don't think about that at all, at all. Mm -hmm. And it's like, yeah, I mean, if you start training your mind early, to start thinking about it. And then, I mean, so all those tools that you mentioned in your toolbox just now, like, is mm-hmm. that something that you learn in in college? Like, do they give you those um, tools? Like- no. Yeah. College maybe gives you a very, very, like, shallow introduction to those things. Okay. okay. And then it's really, like, being hands-on, um, where you like learn how to use those tools. Amazing. Um, yeah. And, and the same goes for my team too. Like 
we can design stuff behind a computer all day, mm -hmm. but then it's not until you like go down and like sit with the equipment and um, like troubleshoot like why certain automation components aren't doing what they're designed or intended to do mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that you really start to understand um, how the whole thing functions as a system. Yeah, yeah. Do you get really like a lot of satisfaction from like seeing the design come to life? I do. I, I mean, I would. Tremendous, yeah. I get tremendous satisfaction. I mean, especially if it's um, working the way it's supposed to and the speed that you want it. Yeah, yeah. It, it you, you're, um, for certain, some of my designs that um, I've uh, designed built, installed, and like integrated into assembly lines um, that are still functioning today. Like I am very proud of those. Um, they're, I guess, hallmarks of my engineering prowess, I would say. Of course, say. yeah, that's um, awesome. Yeah, and yeah, it's like, it's really cool knowing that like, for example, every... I don't know, battery or every motor that like is made by Tesla has to like, has some process done to it or um, yeah, maybe something's added to that product um, by equipment that I designed and made and like installed with a team. Yeah, I mean, I'm definitely yeah. never going to look at a Tesla ever the same again, Blair. <laughs> Knowing the impact that that has probably um, been produced from something you and your team has done. So it's, I, I mean, I personally think it's really cool. And um, was there anything else that maybe I didn't ask you about that you wanted to kind of share about your career or your job? Um. I do want to say that I am super blessed in that everything that I have done and every, including every, what I thought were career mistakes at the time, um, has brought me to where I am today. Like I cannot imagine doing anything differently and still ending up in the same place. Yeah. Um, and everything I have done has been in some way or another valuable. Um, I don't feel like I've ever um, wasted time, mm. uh, like working somewhere I hated because there were definitely, you know, uh, parts of my career that I hated mm. but I'm very fortunate to have them because they got me to where I am today and yeah. I really love where I am today just uh just to make things a little real like are you willing to talk about some of those more harder and difficult times of your career um yeah sure I can talk about something at Tesla actually um so in 2017 2018 uh, Tesla was going through what we call today production hell, 
uh, which was um, sounds terrible. <laughs> what is that? Yeah, oh, it, it was it was where we were trying to do high volume. We were trying to launch the Model Three vehicle, um, which is our um, high volume, uh, relatively inexpensive. I was gonna say, I, isn't that the like the affordable one? Right, that's the affordable like one. Like the thirty thousand something. Uh, it's more than that, but yeah. Okay, I will. Uh, okay, like I I remember a base model coming out, and everyone was like on a waiting list for it. Right, right, and okay. the reason they were on a waiting list is because we could not manufacture them fast enough, and um, and we in fact we couldn't manufacture them at high volume at all. We were only manufacturing them at low volume. And um, our executive leadership got involved. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, um, I spent a lot of nights uh, and my larger team as a whole did as well, working to get this equipment running. Um, and performing mm. and uh yeah it was quite a struggle um I it was definitely the hardest like trying time of my life there were um yeah some very very long I don't even want to say days they were long months uh where uh, I slept at the factory like right by the equipment um oh my gosh I, I think I there were times where I would like go home, sleep for like three hours and then go back to work. Um, and, uh, yeah, it was, it was a rough time, but, um, yeah, like that experience taught me so much. Mm. Um, number one, just because I'm living with the equipment, there's like, you have a lot you make mistakes a lot faster, you iterate faster and you learn faster. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. So as difficult as it was, um, yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade it for um, an easier experience. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, okay. So um, I understand that it was a difficult and challenging time because there were the, leadership wanted to see results and it wasn't happening um mm -hmm. and it affected you and your team i'm are you allowed to kind of explain like oh like so for me it's like oh like why weren't you sleeping like why were you staying awake were you trying to figure out solutions is that yeah, why we were trying to solve problems with the automation that I were see. um like to make it faster to make it faster and to make it um, produce higher quality ah, parts. Ah, okay, okay. Um, like if I'm so, so we have a even we, we have about it. we have a standard, right? So, yeah, of course. Um, uh -huh. Things that don't meet that standard are either, um, yeah, like defect defect product or low quality, and like we can't like. Uh, you can't always uh, rework it. Mm. So uh, you may be throwing away uh, parts, like you, you're, you're losing entire vehicles because right. they're substandard um, and they are unsafe or, or something like that. So 
um, we were working really hard to improve the yield and uh, yeah, and cycle time and availability. Those are the sort of three um, things that uh, feed into the output of what the manufacturing line does. Gotcha. So um, yeah, and you know, one thing I really like about Tesla is Tesla pulled out all the stops. Like this, uh, this manufacturing line was particularly problematic and Tesla pulled resources, meaning they pulled other engineers from other areas, said, stop what you're working on. You're going to go help Blair. And um, at like, there were probably, um, yeah, I think, I think over a hundred engineers working to solve problems on this one line. And then uh, like literally hundreds of other like technicians and um, construction workers and, and operators from who are like just pulled out of the woodwork to like being told like, stop what you're doing. Like, I know your job description is this, but today you're gonna go do this. Wow. And um, yeah, like Tesla very quickly shifted the resources to like help solve really, really challenging problems. And I am proud to say I like worked with the very best of the best engineers yeah. at Tesla. And, um, and you know, through that, I developed a lot of relationships and connections. Um, and, you know, some of those engineers are still around today who still help me and I help them. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, sort of networking within the company, if you will. So production hell was worth it because you grew from it. I grew personally. Um, and um, the people that have gone through it and survived are, yeah, some of the best engineers I know today. Amazing. That's awesome. Well, thank you so much for sharing like so transparently about that. Because I feel like, you know, for me, it's like, yeah, like, you work at Tesla. It's awesome. But it, it, I know with any job, it comes with its challenges. And I think, mm -hmm. you know, hearing some of those things, it's not always like, you know, glamorous, um, as maybe one might think is, is really um, sobering to hear. And uh, people need to know, you know, that, yeah. that it's, it's work. It's work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think, oh. um, you know, most people don't realize all the things that are involved with manufacturing a car and how many hundreds, if not thousands of engineers and technicians and machine operators and how many like, yeah, like tens of thousands of processes that happen to that vehicle um, until it's like, you know, arrives to your door. Like, um yeah, it's a symphony of uh, complex problems to solve um, to make that automobile and to get it to your door, all the way from like design and supply chain to machine operations um, to manufacturing engineering, like I do today. Um, you know, I get to work with um, a lot of cross functional teams cross-functional meaning like they do other purposes or they serve other roles within the company 
but we work together. Um, and yeah, and like, even though uh, I mentioned before, I work with some of the best engineers in the world, I think, but I also get to work with some of the best technicians in the world, and some of mm. the best um, operational leaders and some of the best uh, leadership in the world. Um, and that's that's really a privilege. No, absolutely. And I, I just find it all so fascinating, everything you said today. And I truly do have a new appreciation for not just a Tesla car, but it sounds like just any car in general, mm -hmm. like that that I see it, that I drive. And um, thank you again, Blair, for just like, yeah, like telling me about what you do. Um, it's all been really great. I'm, I always ask people, my guests, if if there's anybody listening that maybe has like questions about uh, your job or just like um, that type of work, would you be open to connecting with them? Absolutely. Yeah. They can just look me up by looking up your name. Yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, yeah. We have the same name. So uh, it should be really easy to remember. Um, you can find me on LinkedIn, or you can just reach out to Blair, and I'm sure yeah, she'll give you good. my contact information. Awesome. Thanks yeah. so much again, Blair. Guys, if you enjoyed this um, episode, if you have questions for Blair, not the not me, Blair, but him, Blair, um, <laughs> um, please feel free to reach out. Like you said, you can DM me or you can email me at podcastwigu at gmail.com. Thanks, guys. Um, thanks again, Blair, for everything. Yeah, my pleasure. Thanks. Until next time. Bye.